All right, everyone. So tonight I have a little message for you. It's out of the book of Joshua in the Bible, Joshua 24, 14 through 15. And I titled this, What's in Your Home? Now, Joshua 24, 14 to 15 reads this in the NIV version. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away all the gods and ans- throw away all the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors are served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As Joshua near the end of his life, he stood before the children of Israel one final time as their beloved leader. His farewell speech is recorded in Joshua 23 and 24. Toward the close of his speech, Joshua issued a challenge. He said in verse 15, Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. This is another version of it. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to take the words of Joshua's challenge. And I want to speak to you today about your families and your homes. And I want to ask you this question. What about your house? What's going on in your house? From the words of Israel's great general, we find three truths that speak to us about building and maintaining godly, strong, and Christ-honoring homes. Trust me, guys, it's hard, but it's definitely doable. Notice these three truths with me. Notice, first of all, where a godly home initiates. Godly homes are not accidents. We have to put the work in and do the things that we need to do in order to come together. They are not flukes or glitches. Godly homes happen for a reason. The home that is strong can be traced back to a clear and definite beginning. In Joshua's final speech to Israel, he pointed to them the things that initiate holy households. And godly homes. I want you to notice a couple of things. Joshua indicates that as starting points for godly homes, you must have a humble reverence for God. You guys are familiar with the word humble. How to humble yourself and basically just take time to listen and absorb and understand what's going on before speaking. Look at again our text. In the verse 14, Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord. Though fear and reverence for God seems to be a forgotten teaching in our day, it's still a principle that literally permeates the whole Bible. You will find fear the Lord on almost every page that you turn into the Bible. Psalm 34, 11 says, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of a holy is understanding. If you take time to do it, as you go through the Bible, like I said, you will find it almost almost nearly every page. And there's a reference subject to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to have reverence for who He is and what He can do. And some of you can attest to the fact, I can attest to the fact of what the Lord can do to someone's life. To change and rearrange a whole messed up family and just 
recreate it into something beautiful and holy. A godly home starts when the members of a family realize that Jesus Christ is not some ancient martyr, but is in fact the resurrected king of the universe, who calls human beings to bow their knees to his lordship. The family that that does not fear God will not serve God. If you don't believe in God and you don't have that kind of reverence in your life, you're not going to want to. It's not going to seem like you want to do it. You're going to find a way to get out of it. You know, a lot of people miss church. A lot of people just attend on Sundays. A lot of people don't put in the effort. I'm telling you, from somebody who's been that person who wanted to have the temporary Sundays, just go when I felt like I needed it, go when I felt like I needed to um, ask God for something, Uh, I needed to pray for uh, a raise or pray for something to happen for me, something in my own selfish ways, why I go to church. And for also someone who put Christ right in the driver's seat and let Christ drive everything that I've done in this family. That's where it takes control. That's where I, I fear God. People always say, only God can judge me. Well, that should scare a lot of people. You know, you know, it's like waiting for dad to get home at five o'clock. If your dad gets home, you know what's going to happen. And a lot of kids go, oh, okay, I'll be good. You know, God, the biggest dad we have. He's the one that, you know, you must fear him. But don't fear him because he's going to whoop you. you got to fear him because he's trying to transform you and mold you to live eternally with him and to live a whole new path in your life. The family that does not fear God will not serve God. The home that does not reverence God's commands for marriage and does not fearfully acknowledge Christ's authority over the family will not be a holy Godly, biblical home. There's covenants of marriage. Mother and honor your father, honor your father and your mother. All kinds of things that bring into a godly home. Keeping Christ in the center is gonna is gonna make your house grand. Notice something further about where a godly home initiates. It begins not only with a humble reverence for God, but it also with a heartfelt resolution for God. Look again at your text in Joshua 24. Notice Joshua's words in in verse 15. He pushed the people toward a decision. Now it's time to make that choice. Now it's time to understand the choice that you're going to make, but he's urging that choice. He said to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Today's the day you choose who you want to serve. Note the word choose. It's translated from a word that I'll always speak of careful and well thought out choice. In nearly every instance that this word is used in the Bible, it describes a choice that has an ultimate and eternal significance. As I said earlier, godly families do not happen on accident or by default. Unless a family makes a sincere, heartfelt, ultimate decision to be godly and Christ-honoring families, they won't. Husbands are the ones that are supposed to be in charge. Christ, husband, wife, children. It's the way it works in the Bible. That's the way it is. If the father leads, everyone else will follow. Teach the kids young and they will not depart from it. These are not my words. I'm paraphrasing out of the Bible. If you are a partner in marriage and parent in the family and have never resolved to seek God, I urge you to do so. 
serve him in your home, in your job, in your community, in everywhere you can. Because there's no way you can just assume or expect God just to come in your come into your house. He wants you to welcome him. Once you welcome him, he will flourish you and your family. Let me tell you what a godly home involves. And we're not perfect, I get it. We all make mistakes and we are that's what we do. We are human. We'll never get it right. But God the Father gets it right. And as long as you have faith and love in your hearts and you do the things that you know you need to do to build your family, build in Scripture, your family's going to flourish with God. Notice again Joshua's challenge to the people. He says to them again in verse 15, Choose choose this day which you will serve. He didn't say choose this day whether you'll go to church. I point that out because I feel that one of the problems with our families today is that we have foolishly believed that attending church once or twice a week is what makes a Christian home. I would say to you that while the godly family will go to church, that's not the real secret behind their godliness. Sitting together in the church does not mean that your family is living together in Christ. We can have a fight before church and go to church and sit there with smiles on our face and things, oh, everything's going good. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Enjoying coffee, donuts, or whatever afterwards. Having peaceful conversation with others. We have this turmoil that we just came from at home or in the car or in the parking lot. A lot of stuff happens. And the stuff I speak is stuff that I've dealt with, even in the marriage with my wife, the things we've done. But we've grown from that. We boldly accepted the fact that God is driving. Jesus is in the forefront of our relationship. We can't do it by ourselves. We've tried it. We've had to seek out like pastor counseling and all kinds of other stuff that brought us to the point. It takes a whole family loving God and knowing that God's going to change it. That's how the power of God changes our relationship. What does a godly home involve? Joshua also points out a couple things. A godly home involves a life of separation. If you want to look back at verse 14, Joshua says, Therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. The phrase says, notice it, Put away the gods which your father served. In verse 15, Joshua tells the people that in order to serve God, they must choose him over all the other gods and all of the people in the land. In other words, Joshua said that in order for these families to survive and under the living true God, they had to separate themselves from the other gods that were worshipped by other people. There's one true God. Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit, and the God the Father. That's who we serve. No Buddha, no Allah, nothing like that. What the God in the Holy Bible. America is full of idol worshipers. People worship the gods of sports, the god of money, the god of possessions, the god of leisure and recreation, and a whole host of false other gods. What you and I must realize is that our families cannot continue to drink the wine of this culture and digest the constant flow of godless, mindless media, it has offered on television and the internet and still be able to worship God in spirit and truth. We cannot be, we, are, we, we live physically in this world, but we cannot be of this world. The government's got everything all jacked up and, and just messed up 
to a point where a lot of people are, we're all in division. Nobody can get along because what the media and the news says or what the government's putting on our life, indoctrinating into our lives. There's a lot of things growing to push us farther apart. And one of the biggest things they're trying to push apart is the church, the, the faith in all of our hearts, the faith in our family. And if we stick with worshiping God and giving Him the power in everything that we do, we will overcome this world. You know why? Because Jesus overcame this world. He's lived this world. He overcame the things that were in this world, and He just took care of it. And He won't forsake us. He won't leave us behind. And I believe that. It's written in the Word. Somewhere, Christian families have got to draw the line and separate themselves from the increasing sinfulness and wickedness of this world. If we're ever going to serve God the way He does, Demands and desires. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, Paul asks, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? He goes on to say, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. No family can participate in the sins of the culture and serve Christ at the same time. Not to say that your sins of the culture that you're doing are, are going to completely ruin you and you'll never get into heaven. But you got to work on your sin. you got to learn to turn from sin. Talk to somebody about your sin. Come up out of your sin. It can be all kinds of sexual immorality, uh, perversion, drugs, alcohol, uh, homosexuality, uh, anger. There's lust. There's the seven deadly sins. You guys, there's so many different ways that we sin, and none of us are above it. But we can grow from it through God. A godly home also involves a life of service. There's a word that's all over this text. It's the word serve. I love the word serve. It's what I choose to do. All my things I've done in my life, I am able to serve people by my past life and my past lived experience. And that's who Jesus came to serve us. In two verses, the word served or served appears seven times. In each case, it has the same meaning. The word serve is translated from a Hebrew word that always carries the idea of working and labor. It comes from a root word that means to obey. Notice that Joshua does not say, choose if you will serve, but rather choose whom you will serve. Not if, but who, who are you going to serve? The indication is that everyone will serve something or someone. Everyone will work for and obey something or someone. Ask yourself this question. Who or what is my family serving? The way to find out the answer to that question is to figure out where the majority of your family time is spent. Take a little minute to figure out what in your household are you serving? Is it the leisure, recreation, the money, sports? Is, this, is there something outside of your life that you bring home from work? or out in other community that you bring into your home that you are giving more power and more emphasis into that you could be giving to your family. I know I used to always bring my work home with me and dump it out right here or in other houses we lived. You know, there's things, I mean, even here I've done it. You know, why could you come here and you just bring everything in? Or I'm not going to, to church today because football's on, you know? There's all kinds of things that I've put in front of God. And I have learned 
and then I've seen a lot of cool things happen once we kind of just really gave it to God. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch football later or we'll do this later. Let's, let's go do this for God. You know, when you're doing something that you don't feel like you want to do, do it for God. Please, God, the things that you are working on in your life, whether it's for you or your family, do it for God. Know that what you're doing is pleasing God. If you're being faithful to your wife or your husband, you're doing it for God. If you're taking care of your kids or if your kids are listening to you and you're doing the things all together, everyone's getting along. If you're listening to scripture and understanding the way it is, you're doing it for God. If you're out there and you see a homeless person in need of something and you give it to them, just do it because you, you're working for God. Don't do it for the picture or the social media attention. There's a lot of things going on in this world that we all succumb to. The world's cruel. The world does all kinds of things. And it kind of tricks us. It blinds us. We all want to be fashionable. We want to be liked and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, the world hated Jesus. The Romans were jealous of him, and that's why they murdered him. That's a true story. It may not be cool to go tell your friends about Jesus or talk about Jesus or learn how to pray out loud, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Once you let it out, it's going to be easier the next time you do it. Practice makes perfect. You think I've been able to come up here and talk like this all my life? And especially about God? I was a cold-hearted thug the majority of my life. And to talk about God and, and, and the glorification that He has brought into my life and, and what He can bring into my family, it's, it's one of those, like a ton of bricks right off your chest. It's one of the most amazing feelings. And it's really humbled me. I, I'm, I don't look to be honored, but I just want to give all of it to God. God has shown me so many different things in my life and brought me to where I am today only because I obey. I choose to serve. That's why I believe I'm saved to serve. Saved to serve began in 2011, and I've been using it as the anointing since 2011. And I just encourage everyone just to put Christ in the driver's seat. Put Him where He needs to be. He needs to be in your home. If you truly believe and you call yourself a Christian, let's do it. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family. Talk about it. Pray daily. That's what we do. We do Bible studies in the morning before I go to work or whatever the day is. Uh, we talk about it. We do prayers. Um, the boys do Bible study at night. Caleb doesn't want to go to sleep until he gets Bible study. This, I mean, and he's young and he's starting it and he's, he's gaining it and he's absorbing it. And it's really important. Take the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes. Get that prayer in. Get that study in. I know it feels boring to kids. I know it does. I grew up in church. I get it. But I also strayed away. And I was able to see hell firsthand with drugs and alcohol and addiction and everything. Jail. Been locked up so many times. The things, I've, I've been there. And you guys are young. I get it. But going to jail and being strung out on drugs... And being to a point in your life where I've seen the devil face to face. And I know how I can completely stay away from it. And that's what I'm trying to teach these kids. I want to teach you guys as well. That uh, 
Put Christ right there in the front. He's going to make it happen for you. There's no such thing as a perfect home. No marriage is a perfect match. No parent always gets it right. And no kid ever lives without at least breaking his parents' heart. His or her parents' heart. While there's no such thing as a perfect home, there's no such thing as a godly home. Godly homes are built by families who decide that they are going to live for God and serve the Lord Jesus to the best of their abilities. Godly homes have moms and dads who love one another and train up their children to fear God and please Him with their lives. Godly homes are built by imperfect people. I'm an imperfect person. My family is imperfect. Who know a perfect Savior, Jesus, and who live by His grace and humble obedience to Him. Godly homes are increasingly rare, but desperately needed. What about your house? Joshua determined that as for his house, they would serve the Lord. What about yours? Will your home be a godly home? Only you can decide that. I believe that if we commit as families to do our homework and learn the word and scripture and be prayerful and give heed to the word of God and what our family says about our family relationships, we can build a church family that is full of families that honor Christ. Again, what about your house? Will you serve the Lord? Thank you.